Public Reading of Scripture by Peter Ahn and Bill Huang. Well, you are in for a special treat today. Um, we took a, a pause. Uh, we just finished the book of Acts. It took us 14 months to do that. Uh, as a church, it was fantastic. We want to sort of take a bit of a pause this week, and I wanted to introduce you to a very special uh, friend who's been a tremendous blessing in my own personal life, but really has been a blessing to our church as a whole. Um, every Sunday, you hear somebody up here on the stage, and as we sort of exegete the Word of God, uh, one of the things you often hear from us as we kind of hit the applicational part of our sermon is that if we want to really grow in our relationship with God, we simply have to get to a place where we read God's Word. Now, I know you hear that from us almost every week, and uh, I think I have to apologize to you in some ways, because in some ways, some of you have maybe tried, maybe it's been hard for you to have any success in that area, but you keep hearing it every week. And I think one of the things that we haven't really thought through very well was how do we help our people? How do we create communities, tribes of people that can maybe come together and listen to the word of God together? And uh, this has been a practice that uh, I've, I've been doing as a church. Uh, we've been, we, do it on, we used to do it on Wednesday mornings. Now we do it on Thursdays at 11.30 a.m., uh, but I would say we've done this probably for the past six, seven years, but I would say specifically this past year, um, God has sort of reinvigorated me and, and shown me again how important it is for me to sort of dedicate myself to be in community and to listen to the word of God with other people. Do you know that the Bible was always meant to be read in community, not just by yourself, but because of the Western world, we say just kind of do it in isolation by yourself. And I think that's important. You have to read the Bible on your own, but it's not really how it should be done in its entirety that we really need to sit with one another and be in community and just listen to the word of God and let the word of God speak. And if you ever come to our Thursdays at 1130, it's really amazing because we sit together as a community and it's just growing. You guys are starting to come out. It's, it's really amazing to see how the group's growing. And we just kind of fall in love with the word of God together to feel the energy, to feel the excitement. Uh, sort of like we end, like Clay always ends it on a cliffhanger and, and we're like, we want to we keep listening to more. And it's just so great to see that kind of energy and just kind of wrap our minds and our hearts and our ears around God's word. And so it's been so invigorating for me this year, just kind of recommitting myself to that. But it would not have happened, really, if I didn't get together for breakfast with Bill Huang. I want to introduce you to Bill Huang. Bill Huang is the CEO of a hedge fund company, uh, Arcacos. Uh, he runs one of the largest hedge fund companies in the world. Uh, really a successful man in that right. But he also is the, uh, he and his wife Becky have started a foundation, one of the largest philanthropic organizations in the world again, called the Grace and Mercy Foundation, where they have impacted thousands, millions of lives through this foundation. They've dedicated their lives and their, and their work to this. Yes, he trades and he trades stocks regularly for a living, but he spends so much of his time continuing to see, ask God, how can I bless your kingdom with the things you've blessed me with. The man actually practices what he preaches, all right? Uh, and so I wanted you to meet him. I've known this man for about 12 years, but I wanted you to meet him because I had this breakfast with him about a year ago. I was hoping that he would come and maybe give me some stock tips on what I should buy because I got a daughter going into college. I was hoping for some inside information. The whole entire hour and a half, he just talked about the word of God, how much he loves it, why this is so important for the church, why he is dedicating his life to this, and uh, not only for his own personal life, but now, as you saw in that video, translating it in multiple different languages. So can we please welcome Bill Huang up here? Hey guys, so, sorry about that video. At the end, there was there was me. That was a nice beauty. That was a, a beauty shot of you. I like that. Yes, that was uh, for some people, but it was actually done for a Korean church. That's actually our office in in Seoul. But oh, okay. Next time I'll cut that off. <laughs> What's the name of the Korean Bible app? Uh, it's it's called just uh, Drama Bible. Drama so Bible. So that's uh, the Korean. Uh, drama Bible is available for free. We just launched the Japanese Drama Bible uh, in, in app. It's Again, it's for free. And let's just talk just a little bit about that. We'll kind of circle back to your story. But 
you are now uh, making this your life's work. You and your wife, have, Becky, have made this your life's work now to try your best to translate the Bible in every language that people can have access to it. But it's not just an audio translation. Mm -hmm. Like, explain a little bit about this drama. Why is that so important? Because you're hiring the best actors in Korea, in Japan, you know, in China, to do this, to act in a narrator. Why is that such a key difference? Right. Um, you know, Peter, you, you worked at NBC, so yeah. you understand this better than anybody. So I, you know, I really struggled for 45 years uh, to read the scripture. Sometimes I was successful, some, sometimes I, I, I just failed. Uh, one day, about 10 years ago, I was going through a really, mm -hmm. really tough time in business, and uh, I, I wanted to read Bible, but I knew if I go to the Bible, I'll fail again after a few days, and I'll feel miserable again. So instead, what I did, went to Amazon, right, <laughs> and looked for the best dramatized Bible, and then I, I came across uh, Bible Experience. It was made by Hollywood, uh, all African-American actors. You know, I love Forrest, Forrest Whitaker mm -hmm. playing Excel. Moses. So, so as I was uh, listening to that, sometimes with the scripture in front, uh, sometimes just listening, I was able to listen to the scripture for hours for hours, never happened to me before. Never, never yeah. happened to me before. <laughs> and then I enjoyed it. Mm. So I'm an analyst, so I analyzed the situation. Of course I was desperate, but I knew this was something mm. different. So, so, when, so I realized, wow, the quality really matters. Yeah. So that I could focus on the scripture itself, yeah. right? And then I, that's when I also realized, oh my goodness, people of the Bible read and listened to God's word together. Hmm. And then Peter, let's think about, I was at a homeless mission, in Bowery Mission a few months ago. They launched public reading of scripture there, hmm. right? And then I told my brothers and sisters who were there, I said, let's remember Jesus was extremely poor. Let's also remember he didn't have a book. Yeah. The human race, we didn't, invent a book yet, so meaning, how did Jesus learn about himself? What happened? Some sort of a microchip in his head? <laughs> Probably not, Yeah. you know? So I'm reading a book by uh, Brian Wright called Communal Reading of Scripture During the Time of Jesus. Very likely, Mary and Joseph took this little boy very regularly and listened to Word of God and a lot of temples train people how to read it. So quality really matters. So that's why, you know, we, it, it, as you said, it costs us a lot of money to hire the best actors and actresses. But we're talking about Bible. Yeah. So we, we're doing that. And I'm going to Japan end of this week to celebrate, to have a party with the Japanese Christians mm. who never had anything like that. You know, in Japan, there are 3,000 churches that have no pastors. Wow. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna bless them with this drama Bible. They love it. I don't speak Japanese, but I listen to some of it. Isaiah 55, Matthew 23. Matthew 23, you probably wanna do, don't go, you, you don't wanna go there first because that's when Jesus calls you hypocrite for about 10 times. So try to avoid that chapter, <laughs> but done beautifully. So can you sense the energy that this guy has about the Bible, the passion he has for it? I mean, it's one of the most beautiful things you can see. Now, I, I think that's why, I know you say that pastors should be the ones leading the charge, and I think I agree with you on that. But I think for many of you, I could say that, you'll say, yeah, but you're a pastor. It's different when somebody's a finance guy and he has that kind of love and passion for, your, for God's word. And I think it, it's, it creates a, a greater sort of a voice because a lot of you work in the marketplace and, and places like that. And very rarely do you meet somebody who has such a passion for God's word, especially kind of where Bill's at. But Bill, what's your story? Share a little bit about your story and uh, your, your upbringing. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think Peter, I think I love it so much now because I struggled the most. Mm. I really did. I, I always wanted to read the, the scripture. My father was church pastor, wonderful guy, 
But, you know, we read scripture together here and there, but there was no strategy, mm. right? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Seoul, a wonderful family, and moved to the U.S. when I was about 18. And unfortunately, my father passed away. Uh, a few months later, we, uh, we, we actually immigrated to Las Vegas. So I know mm. Vegas really well. <laughs> and uh, I'm going there in a few, few weeks. So after he passed away, you know, my first job, I, I interviewed at Tropicana Hotel, laundromat. So I, 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 I got the job. Mm. But my mother said, you, you need to finish uh, college. And so I went to college at UCLA went to grad school in the East Coast, and I came to Wall Street about 30 years ago, yeah. right? So, uh, and, and, but again, even after uh, coming to Wall Street, Wall Street and I, I thought, I, I struggled a lot about reading the scripture, and at some point, I, I accepted, okay, it's, it's just yeah. not, it's not gonna happen. So I'm just gonna do well in the marketplace, I'll be a good dad and husband. So, and then that 10 years ago that yeah. happened. And ever since, more than anybody, I know people struggle. I go, I don't speak a lot globally, but I do go to places and, you know, God's grace. Think mm. about it. How many Christians he has blessed? So many Christians. But I'll tell you, most of them always come to me and say, Bill, I really want to read more Bible. Yeah. yeah, so I always say, and, and I love the partnership that we have, with, uh, we have with Peter and David and other pastors here, that God gave, I wish God gave us Netflix video. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. It's actually easier for me. Yeah, yeah. And I invest in Netflix and Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> It would but, help you, yeah. <laughs> but he gave us a book. Yeah. Not a single book, 66 of them. Yeah. So I asked the question to, especially pastors, our God who graciously gave us this book, 66 books, he showed us how to consume it. Mm. He really did. I've been on the board of Fuller Seminary for 10 years, and we are fixing some of the curriculum there because I bet you, Peter, you went to Fuller, right? Yeah. Yep. There's no class teaching how to read the scripture. So all global churches, despite of the desire that you guys have and I have, what's the strategy? Try harder? Hmm. You lazy? Yeah, sometimes I was lazy. But try harder is the worst ever strategy you could ever tell me and others, right? Mm. Yeah, so, (laughs) yes, amen to that, right? Oh my goodness, I tried for 45 years. Yeah. 45 years. So we are moving from trying to training. Yeah. How do we train? Do we train alone? No. I have a trainer. I never train alone. Because we know God loves us and he wants us to be a great worker. 60% of Christians say they are Christians. Mm-hmm. But people like Oz Guinness would argue with you that, but where are the Christian leaders? Yeah. What happened? Everybody says they're Christians. But when we look at what they do, it's, you know, we, we have a doubt. Because one of the key reasons, I think, Peter, you know this better, that we generally have not done a good job yeah. training Christians yeah. who want to be workers and God's soldiers, yeah. right? Philippians, yeah. you know, Paul talks about soldiers. Soldiers don't try, they train, yeah. right? Yeah, so can you share with us a little bit, how do you train? Uh, with the Bible. What, what's your strategy? Because I think, I, I do remember many years ago, you, you, you really said to me once, you said, how, how do we grow? Like, we don't know how to grow our faith. And, and I remember that was like a question you wrestled with. And I think you came to this point of uh, listening in, in scripture together right. with people is really the way. But what, how do you train right. on this? So share with them how right. you do that. 
So essentially, we go to, I go to the scripture and what Jesus said. Remember Jesus said, he actually is quoting from Deuteronomy. Every word of God is our food. So Christians have three food, in my view. By the way, I love food, so I'm a foodie. <laughs> Good food. Physical food, you agree it's food, yeah. right? Every word of God. Guess what Jesus listened to which books of the Bible? Old Testament only. Remember, there was no New Testament. So Old Testament, very important, as well as New Testament. Every word of God. And third, Jesus says something very curious. He said, doing God's will is my food. You know, I met up with Sarah, Diane, you, Metro, I love Metro because you guys do serve God so well, you know, through your community. That's food. But Christians, most Christians in their churches, they miss the middle part. Spiritual food of getting fed, yeah. right? So that's, that's, that's one. But also remember, Paul, we're going to enjoy listening to the Philippians, one, one of the Paul's letters. Paul goes to Corinthians because I was, you know, Becky and I, my wife and I and our family were in Corinth a few months ago. Uh, it's in, in modern, modern Greece. Corinth was a big Roman city. And people began siding with, I guess, mega, mega preachers. Oh, I'm for Paul, I'm for Apollo, yes. Peter, even Jesus. So Jesus became one of the teachers. And then Paul writes to Corinthians, guys, I planted, Apollo watered it, but it's only God who make you grow, yeah. right? So here, if you think about it, you know, I'm an, I'm an analyst, Wall Street analyst. I, this is a job habit. I analyze everything, <laughs> overanalyze. So that's why Becky corrects me sometimes, <laughs> Bill, that God wants the partnership. Yeah. He wants us to, he wants Peter, David, to plant and water it. But what ended up happening is that we overplant, we overwater. I have killed so many plants at home yeah. mm -hmm. by overwatering, yeah. you know? So, so God wants that partnership, so we gotta make sure that we give God's time back. And then he, he, it becomes a powerful partnership, mm. right? Yeah, and so, so what's your strategy? What do you do on a weekly basis right. to engage in God's word? Yeah, so, uh, so again, knowing that that's how Jesus and God's people mm -hmm. have trained themselves and then that's how they show his, their love to God. Hey guys, why do we listen to God? Why? One, because we love him. Yep. Forget about everything else. You know, my, my mother and I were best friends. She passed away a few years. I have her recordings. I listen to her all the time. Mm. Why? Because I miss her, I, I love her, yeah. right? Number two, remember Jesus saying to the woman who told him, blessed is the womb that bore you. And Jesus says, more blessed is the one who listens to God's word and does it. Yeah. So we listen and read the scripture because we love him and to do what he says. So. I am, you know, Peter and some of the Metro friends and Becky, we are together at Metro offices every Thursday lunchtime. That's one hour. And in my office in New York City, uh, you know, every Friday morning, that's another hour. You know, reading the entire Bible takes about 90 hours. But it's a 66 books. Guess what, sometimes I finish three books because it's two minutes each. You know, mm -hmm. second John, third John, Jude. So yeah. that's, 
So I, with, with, with lots of vacation, I finish listening and reading the scripture about once a year. Yeah, about three hours a week, roughly. In about, yeah, about two hours yeah. together with other people and a little bit yeah. alone. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't do well. I mean, I got to watch, you know, college football, <laughs> Netflix, and things like that. There's a competing requirement. So, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, people are so busy and uh, people have so many different things to do. I mean, so I, I guess... If we say, listen to three hours of scripture, you, you, you guys might be like, wow, that's a lot. And so what would you like to say to just the folks who are just so busy? Um, I know you're busy, even though you said in the first service you're not busy, but you are pretty busy. Uh, but uh, how do you make three hours out of your week to listen to God's word? Like, why do you do that, like, in some ways? And, and how has that helped you so much today? Right. Yeah. Um, the, um... Peter, your, your questions are getting trickier. Oh, really? So, uh... Sorry. So I have to write it down. <laughs> uh, but I love it. Uh, you know, in a way, we are all homeless, right? We are all homeless. Uh, because I, I think we, we, we sang the praise songs mm-hmm. that, let's make it clear, clear. War is over. Jesus finished it. That's right. But as, let's say, C.S. Lewis would say, we'll still live in enemy-occupied territory. So we feel like it's not over. Yeah? So, but when, when I am with Becky, Peter, I'm with my brothers and sisters. And my father speaks. Mm. That's home. Mm. You know, where's, where's our home? But most, place, most of the times, Christian gatherings, our father never speaks. Mm. So we, are we fatherless? So, so for me, it's really home. It reminds who I am. Mm. So that's why I'm there. But again, I, I get you. You know, most of us sometimes are very busy. But, you know, remember what Jesus said. Every word of God is food. Amen. Yeah. So we eat physical food. Yeah, so we, we just need to eat God's word. Like... Like how we eat food. Some, you know, mostly together, regularly, with our brothers and sisters. Sometimes alone. Sometimes skip. But we don't skip our... I know you, you did an incredible fasting, Peter. You sure you did that long? <laughs> I, I have my doubts, but... <laughs> but, but, you know... Literally, I get hungry when I skip God's word. Yeah. yeah so, so again, this is our food and power and our home. Mm. That's why, but not everybody needs to, uh, you know, read the scripture two hours a week. Sometimes, you know, if you read 30 minutes a week, you finish the entire Bible in three, four years. You know, most Christians never finish reading this little book. You know why? Because global churches haven't provided a simple biblical strategy. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. I mean, again, I, I struggled the most. It was so hard for me. Yeah. Because I, I was asked to just try harder. Yeah. yeah. And now you're dedicating your life's work to making this happen in other languages and so forth. Uh, could we just give sort of a... Um, at our church, so what we're going to start doing now is that we're going to give you an opportunity to kind of engage in this more. Uh, one of the ways in how we're going to do that is every Sunday, starting this week, because you're going to listen, you're all going to listen to the book of Philippians today. But we're going to, uh, at 11, today's is during second service and first service, but starting next Sunday at 11, 10 a.m., we would encourage you to come to church early, and we're at the gym sanctuary. Uh, David Hosang, or one of our pastors, will give a five-minute introductory of a passage in, in Scripture, and for about 15 minutes, you're going to listen to the Word of God before you come in here to worship God. And so we're going to do that every Sunday going forward. Now, we told the first service people that if you're going to do that after first service, you've got to pick your kid up first 
and then go listen. You can't expect Metro kids to watch your kid till 1130. It's just not going to happen. So you got to go pick them up first. Make sure that they're careful. Bring them in. Let them hear the word of God together as a family. It's beautiful if you can do it as a family. My kids, we do that. We, we get together. We listen to the word of God together. It's a real beautiful thing to do. So we're going to start doing that every Sunday. And if you do that, if you commit yourself to doing that, you will listen to the entire Bible. If you, if you just dedicate 20 minutes. I did the math. I hope my math is right. You can check me on it. In a little over five years. All right, 20 minutes, that's it. You can listen to, the, you can read the whole Bible in five years, and some of us have been Christians a lot longer, we've never really gotten through it. And I think it'll be some, it'll powerful as we do it together as a community. We also have the Thursdays at 11.30 at our office. Uh, we provide lunch, Bill provides the lunch for us, he buys it for us every week, and we eat together, we enjoy the word, Pastor Clay leads it, it's fantastic. I make it a point to make sure I go there every Thursday as well, so if you're in the area, you can totally come, right? And so there's, there's that. And then Bill has been so gracious because he's got a big office in, cent- in the Central Park area in New York. If you work in New York City, he's inviting you to come to his office and he's got phenomenal stuff there. Good free food. Um, he's got great books. I took about four books the last time I was there. It's just there. <laughs> and I don't know if it's for us, but I took it anyway. But anyway, uh, Monday nights at 7 p.m., uh, they, they, they listen to the word of God at Monday night, 7 p.m. at his office. So that's after your work. But come at 6.30 because dinner is provided. He'll feed you, all right? Wednesday, 12.45 p.m., they're going to get together at lunch, 12.30, grab the food, sit down, and then listen to the word of God. And then Friday at 7.20 a.m., come at 7, breakfast is served, you'll eat some breakfast, and then listen to the word of God before you head into your office. So we're trying to give you guys more opportunities to do this in community rather than in solitary confinement, that you'll start to do it, and I guarantee you, you'll really start falling deeper in love with God's word as you do it. So make a note of it. If you plan to go to Bill's office, because they need to know how much food to prepare, you got to contact Sumi Kim. Her email address is right there. We can't have 40 of you show up and there's going to be not enough food. So make sure you're courteous enough to just say, hey, I'm gonna, I plan to attend and I plan to be a part of it. And uh, we would really appreciate that if you do. Bill, there's been some New Testament scholars, some really big names that you've been connecting with that have really been really passionate about. Can you just share about that a little bit? Yeah, no, thank you, Peter. So, so ever since about 10 years ago that this is what people of the Bible have done for thousands of years. Yeah. We began hosting uh, public reading of scripture in our Manhattan offices and you know metro offices now. So there are a lot of, God has, sending, has been sending so many uh, people, a lot of pastors, a lot of marketplace people and uh, theologians. And re- recently, N.T. Wright, uh, who who wrote, who is probably a, a authority on, on theology of resurrection. He yep. came by and he really loved it. And he actually uh, created a free class called Reading the Scripture in Community. And yep. if you do anti-right and free class, you, you could see it. And, and about uh, maybe three weeks ago, uh, Ravi uh, Zacharias, who is an apologist, invited me to speak uh, like this yep. uh, at, at their annual conference in Miami and uh, Ravi's uh, organization and Grace and Mercy, we are uh, discussing how best to bring this uh, strategy uh, to everywhere yeah. uh, because, you know, God has, gracious to, has been gracious to Ravi's group to go to a lot of different places that mm-hmm. are difficult. So we are strategizing. So public reading of scripture is now being done in a lot of prisons in Africa because we work with prison fellowship, middle school in Manhattan, in Japan, in China, in Latin America. Latin America. We, are, we are making the Spanish fully dramatized Bible in... Uh, and, and who's in, helping you put that together? In, in, in Argentina and yeah. Colombia. Yeah. You know, Spanish-speaking guys, you guys, there's so many different dialects. Yeah. So, uh, Luis Palau organization is doing it. We are funding it. Yeah, so, again, when I go around and ask people who here wants to read more Bible, everybody raises yeah. their hand. So, meaning, God has put in our heart, I mean, I was like that, that I wanna listen and read more Bible. So, so it's, it's our pleasure to provide the strategy and some of the best quality 
the drama. Because, again, listening to God's word, number one, most important thing is doing it in community. So don't ever feel that you are inadequate. You will find many of you, you are just not given the strategy. Community, listening is very critical because it's very submissive posture. The scripture says, Jesus always did what pleased God. Always. So I'm thinking, again, I'm overanalyzing. What did Jesus do first 30 years of his life that was so pleasing to God? What did he do? Bible doesn't even say much. You know what, one thing that I could say he did? Because he loved God, he listened to him every week. For how long? 30 years. Right? So listening and the quality is very important because it's an hour. You know, you go to the movies, but if somebody just gives you a script, why don't you read Avengers script? I'll say, see you later. Right? The production is so important. And the length of it, right? So a lot of Bible letters or stories. So you don't watch a movie for a minute and overanalyze it, which I tend to do, but. Mm-hmm. No, it's fantastic. Um, no, so I, I just, I, I hope that you would get excited about this, because this is a really, uh, a thing that we're gonna try to help uh, all of us together and take a journey and train ourselves and then trying to get better into listening to the word of God in that way. What I love about Bill is that he really practices what he preaches, you know, it's just not, he's not just doing this and enjoying it for himself to help him to become wealthier, but he's now dedicating a good, not all, but an amount of his wealth to making sure that there is a good dramatized Bible translated in languages so that people can listen to it and grow. No strings attached. He's paying, he doesn't charge you for the apps when you download it. It's all free. It's all free. He's paying for all of it. And that's really very noble and a, and a blessing. And so, uh, but I think the last question I want to just ask, I think it's going to help a lot of us here. I, I, you know, it's, we know that money is the root of all evil. You know, what Jesus teaches about that all the time. He talks more about money than anything else in, in the Gospels. Does he? He does. Oh, okay. It's the number one thing that he talks about, right? More than anything else in, in the Gospels. And uh, you have a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I think there is, there is this desire uh, where people want to have it. They think it's the root of joy. That they want to have, have more. And success is so hard not to want that when you live in, the, in, in, the, in a place in the world where we live in today. Uh, I think if I told you guys, and you hear me say, money is the root of all evil. Don't live for that. It's just paper. You know, live for people. That kind of stuff. Live for God. But you having a lot of it, what could you, what wisdom could you sort of impart to the people here um, so that they could continue to see money not as their God and uh, they could use, see money as something that they could use to bless God's kingdom as opposed to just grow it and just you know, become wealthy just for themselves. Right, right. Yeah. No, thank you, Peter. I think, you know, God willing, I would love to come back and talk to you guys with Peter at a retreat about some of it, but I think it's not only money yeah. that's dangerous, fame, yep. you know, I mean, Peter, your church is growing, so you, are, you feel, are you feeling that not, you... No, not, not like you. Yeah. We went to Korea, and uh, we went to Korea once, and uh, the hotel manager came down and like literally, no, not like you, when you yeah, go to yeah, Korea, but, you're, but, you're a rock star in Korea, yeah. But, but it's, it's actually also fame, yeah. power, yeah. Yeah. and things like that, I mean, you... you yeah. So, so uh, but the good thing is, God has clearly showed us what money does in a positive way. So in a way, God, I think God wires us so differently. You could probably handle fame really well. I handle money fairly well because you know, I grew up in a, a pastor's family. We were poor, yeah. but somehow my mother and father always gave things away, sometimes give my give my things away. It's like, mom, that's my jacket. What are you doing? But we, we were with homeless people all the time. So God has trained me and Becky to be generous. But I enjoy what God has given us. I mean, I told you I'm foodie. I go to nice restaurants. I, I confess to you, I cannot live very poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... I live few notch below where I could live. Yeah. And I'm just so happy about that. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think Tim Keller and other people say, you know, 
all the things that entice us, it's like fire, right? So money for me is fire. I love fire. I love watching fire. I love using fire to heat up my home. Cooking, but when fire comes out, thank you, it'll kill you. But just like everything. So ultimately, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, if you Google me, there's a, you know article there, how much money I made, how much also I had to pay as a penalty at the end of the day. As, as in your profession at home, as you grow this, this is fine. You know, I need to be in Central Park meeting with a lot of companies that serve God. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, you know, so, sorry to sidetrack here. It's all right. People say, oh, Bill, you know, you're making lots of money to give away. That's wonderful. That's only the half the story. You know, God made the universe and the earth and gave the earth to us to take care of it well. Yeah. And God allowed the capitalism. Remember. So what is Google? We've been an investor in Google. I'm sure you, all, all of you. Why don't we use Google? I don't know if we invest in Google, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have. Yeah. Uh, you should have told me. You should have told me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I, want, I need to keep you humble. Okay. <laughs> what is Google? Best information to everybody. I know most Google guys don't know God, but God still uses it. Yeah. The best information for everybody. Does God love it? Absolutely he does. I'm an investor in Google for five years. And God also cares about fair price. Because scripture says God hates wrong scale. Yeah. My, I, my company does a little bit of our part bringing the fair price to Google stock price. Mm. Is it important to God? Absolutely. Most Christians would not think that, but please, it absolutely is, okay? So, so, so in a way, we, our foundation does two things. Supporting the poor. You know, as I was listening to Book of Exodus uh, for the first time, you know, I was cry, crying a lot because my father died. And in Book of Exodus, God repeatedly said, take care of, take care of the foreigners, take care of the immigrants. Mm-hmm. I didn't, when my father got sick, I didn't know how to dial 911. Mm. Right? Yeah, so we support the poor and on the other side, because if you think about it globally, we live in crisis. God has blessed the world this much and so many Christians, but most of them are not struggling to grow. So what we do is that as we support the poor, we help people learn, grow, and serve, yeah. right? Whether it's a Christians, and sometimes, you know, I, I speak to college students about investing, right? Yeah, so, you know, in LA, in LA we have done terrible capitalism in some part of the world, especially in LA. There are 45,000 of our brothers and sisters in little corner of Skid Row. Yep. So we are building a homeless shelter for our women and children, our brothers and sisters in LA with some other people. Yeah, so, so money, as, as a French saying would go, is a powerful servant but lethal master. So how do you then train your servant money? I spend it. I spend it. And therefore, I don't own anything. I mean, I I said it in the first service. Becky and I own a little house in New Jersey that's been depreciating in value. (laughs) So uh, clearly, I'm not a good investor in real estate. Maybe real estate, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so again, I enjoy uh, what God has given us. So in a way, yeah. you know, King David, when he was financing the temple in, in today's dollars, gave billions to God. And he yeah. says, well, nothing is mine. But at the same time, remember, in the 
parable of two sons. Father tells the elder son who refused to come in. He says at the end a couple of things. Of course, your younger brother was dead and he's back. But he says, you are always with me. Father was completely surprised that his Mm. elder son didn't know anything about the father. And you know what he also says? The father goes, oh, everything is yours. So when people ask me, you know, Peter, you ask me, Bill, how come you don't own anything? And then I say, well, you know, I actually, as as an adopted son of God who created the universe and is giving me eternal life, I own everything. Yeah. That's what God says, you know, this is all yours. So why do I need to sign something that certifying this is mine? It's all mine anyways. (laughs) This is mine, this is mine, this is mine. All right, that's mine. Yeah, it's yours, it's yours. You just can't take it home, just can't take it home. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I know you don't. What he's saying is so important because he, I would say, hey, how come you don't have a house like in LA? It'd be great for you to have a beach house there because you go there a couple times a year and I'd love to go there with my family for free. I mean, <laughs> I say things like that to him and he's just like, why would I want to own, why would I want to spend money on that? And so it's, it's, it's amazing because yes, you're wealthy, but you're, you're frugal because you want to continue to use your money uh, the way God yeah, wants you to use I, it. I am rich, but I'm completely free. Yes. Don't you want that? Yes. I am free. We, we, were, we were in Korea, I'll share a funny story, we were in Korea and his daughter uh, decided to get a new pair of glasses and uh, you know, Korea glasses like 25 bucks. And so he got it for her and then he's like, what are you gonna do with that frame? And she's, her, her old frame, he goes, I don't know, I'm probably gonna throw it away. He goes, no, no, give it to me because I want my glasses now. So he got the prescription to fit her daughter's frame and he used it for himself and I'm like, dude, you got enough money to buy your own frame. Like why do you gotta use your daughter's frame? Hey. And that's just kind of how he is. This is that's how he lives, seriously. Yeah, but I, you know, in LA, I go to the best hotels. Would God love it? Absolutely. Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. His sons and daughters, sometimes staying with the homeless people. Does God love it? Absolutely. When I stay at a five-star hotel, which I will be in Japan, oh, I think it's four-star. I think he <laughs> loves it. Yes, right. Yeah, so again, I don't think about this too much, yeah. right? This is running the universe eternally is our family business. Yeah. This is our family story. That's why we need to want to know what the story is. The crazy thing is that God has given us a part in it. Yeah, so I was missing my part. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So that's why I want to encourage all of you to find your part. You know, it's so easy to say, you know, if I had what he has, I would, I would love to do the same thing. But I think what he said way back in his answer, I think he said God trusts him with money. And yeah. what you do now with your money, what, how little you might have of it, is very important to anything that's going to happen in the future. God will never give you money if he can't trust you with it, right? I think Bill's been a good steward because God trusts him with it. Uh, let's give him a round of applause. How amazing was that? He's going to hang out here a little bit afterwards. So if you want to come up and talk to him a little bit, especially if you're in the finance industry, please do so. We're going to listen to the Bible. After today, you only got 65 more books to, to listen to, all right? We're going to listen to the book of Philippians. And the reason why I chose this book simply is because we just finished Acts last Sunday. And as a result of that, we know that in the latter part of, of, uh, of Acts, Paul spent four years in prison, two in Caesarea, two in Rome. Scholars don't know where exactly he wrote the book of Philippians. Some say he wrote it in Rome. Some say he wrote it in Caesarea. But it's interesting because this book is a book about joy, how we can experience joy. Sixteen times that word appears, whether in the form of joy, rejoice, or glad, or gladness. And so it's really interesting that Paul wrote a book about joy while he was in prison. Because for Paul, the, your external circumstances had no bearings to your joy factor in life. And that's what Paul believed in. And, and he teaches us, uh, Philippians is really a letter of thanksgiving to the church of Philippi. And he teaches us how we can experience that joy really in two key ways. First is that we got to learn to relate to each other with love, gentleness, and humility. That that has to be sort of the, the context in how we relate to everyone. Love, gentleness, 
and humility, always, all right? If we do it out of a sense of selfish ambition or vain conceit, like he talks about, you're gonna listen to it, it will, it will prevent you and I from living a life of true joy. If you only are in relationships with people because you wanna get something from them, you will never experience joy, right? You wanna get a new job, you're, you're trying to befriend somebody because maybe they'll hire you, it, you're never gonna experience true joy. It's when you can uh, enter into a relationship with love, gentleness, and humility. And he says you gotta be like Jesus, and in Philippians 2, 6 through 11, you get one of the most robust Christology of our Savior about who Jesus Christ is. Pay attention to that because that is what Paul is saying. If you want to experience joy, you got to imitate Jesus Christ. You got to be like him in that way. All right. And then the last thing he says that uh, we have to train ourselves to be faithful. So relating to others out of love, gentleness, humility. Second, train ourselves to be faithful. Paul says that we have to learn to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. All right, you all know that fear is another, a better word. It's probably reverence for God, with reverence. But I think what Paul's saying is that fear often, we should be terrified and fearful when we don't have a relationship with God. It should terrify us that we're outside of that. We gotta work out our salvation. He says that you have to consider, in order for you to train yourself for faithfulness, you gotta consider all of your worthly successes and achievements. When you compare that to knowing Jesus, it has to look like garbage. And I love the NIV translation. It says it has to smell like garbage. Think about that for a moment. Whatever successes you've made in life, right? Like even somebody like Bill, all the money he's made, all the successes he has. Paul is saying when you compare that to knowing Jesus, it's got to smell like garbage because that's how much greater it is and the greater value it is in knowing Jesus Christ and we have that ability. When we value Jesus Christ greater than anything else this world has to offer, we're training ourselves to be faithful. He says, don't look back always, because some of us are so focused on the past that we can't look forward to what God is leading us to. We can't even see the prize because we're too busy looking back at some of the things that maybe we've gone through in our lives. We've got to look forward, all right? We can go deeper into that in the next couple of weeks as we do a whole series on shame. And then the last thing he's saying is learn to be content in every situation because Jesus is able to give us strength. You and I can be content in any situation. Really, we can at the end of the day because God is the one who gives us the strength to carry on. Here's the book of Philippians in the New King James Version. Let's play it. The Epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Philippians. Greetings from Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense, till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, 
Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes. And if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. 
Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. God, thank you. Lord, help us to get to be like Paul, that uh, when we live here on this earth, we know we have you in our lives. Uh, it's a gain because we get to continue to proliferate and advance your kingdom. But God, if you would ever call us home, God, it, we are truly home. We're face to face with you, Lord. Uh, teach us, God, to um, be content in all situations in our life. And I know for some, they may be carrying something very heavy here today. I pray you'll teach them to be content by giving them the strength that, uh, that they need to endure a season in which they're going through, Lord. Lord, uh, give us, we ask, that you would give us uh, not a desire to try, but a desire to train ourselves to know more of your word. I pray that we would depend upon each other to do this because we can't do it alone. We've tried and we've failed. Forgive us for that, but now allow us to depend upon each other, locking arms together, surrounding ourselves through your word, and I pray that as we do that, as you promised, Jesus, when you said two or more gathered in my name, I will be there. God, I pray that you would indeed be with every public reading of scripture, things that we have here at church, Bill's office, all around the world. God, I pray that through Bill's ministry that uh, the Bible would be able to be recorded with this kind of drama um, in every language around the world. And God, it would be a major spark to bring a revival where people would know that you truly are the king and the ruler of this world. So God, thank you for this time. We love you so much. And I pray uh, that we would have experienced you here through this, but most of all, that it would encourage us to leave here uh, wanting more of you, wanting to listen to more of you by ourselves, but also uh, with our brothers and sisters here in this church. So we thank you in your name we pray, amen. Amen. There's some next steps here that I'd love for you to take. Can you please flip over your communication card? Uh, the first one, if, you've, if you're here today, you're just kind of investigating your faith in Jesus, but you want to open up your heart to him, uh, would you please check this off? Say, so, Peter, I'm going to commit my life to Jesus for the first time. Would you come forward for one of the prayer teams that will be here? They'd love to pray for you. Or uh, we have a next table right outside. You can go out there. We give you a new believer's package. It's kind of help you to grow, taking that step. Would you commit, all of you next Sunday, coming to church 20 minutes earlier, getting into the gym and letting one of our pastors give you an intro to a passage and then you're just going to listen to about 15 minutes of God's word and then come in here and enjoy second service. I think it'll be powerful. 
All right, so make sure you make that happen, all right? We'll do it every Sunday going forward, all right? Uh, I will attend PRS on Thursdays at 11.30 at the Metro office. That you, if you work around this area, come by. We'd love to have you. And we'll also feed you food as well, all right? Spiritual and physical food. Uh, if, you li- if you work in the New York area, uh, public reading of Scripture is available on Mondays at 6.30 p.m., Wednesdays at 12.45, and Fridays at 7 a.m. Again, food provided for all of those things. If you're interested, please uh, let... Uh, check that off and uh, we'll make sure we get you some information about that in the case you didn't record it all right uh, please sign me up for connections dinner November 17th next Sunday at my house if you want to learn a little bit more about Metro our story you might have some questions love to invite you over and uh, share a little bit of our story but also share a great meal together uh, as a church uh, lastly please sign me up to help serve Thanksgiving lunch on November 24th one of our biggest celebrations of the year we anticipate over a thousand people will be here uh, we ordered about 600 pounds of turkey it's gonna get ready but we need people to help distribute and, uh, and to serve. So if, if you wouldn't mind just serving for about an hour and a half on that Sunday, check that off. Dawn is going to get back to you as soon as possible, and it's going to be a great, great celebration. Be a part of it, all right? 